I am going to speak tonight. Uh, I'm going to kind of stay in the lane a little bit of last night. I kind of couldn't get away from from all of that with the focus being what it is. And we're just going to talk about being kingdom disciples. Kingdom disciples. God bless you as you're seated. I know that when I say the word disciple, uh, that's not a strange term at this church for sure. But we know that a disciple is a follower, a believer, a supporter, an adherent, a student, a pupil, a scholar, a learner. There's so much that can be said about being a disciple. I would challenge you to, uh, to read, when, when you read through the Gospels, to pay attention every time it says disciple or disciples and then uh, study what what is being said about them. Since they were called disciples, they were doing particular things. When we, when we speak of this, we know that our lives must be focused on the king and his kingdom. And we know that king and kingdom principles must be our priority. It's not enough to live by our family rules. Um, it's not about my family. I love my family, and I thank God for the way I was raised. But it's, it's not about the shock family. It's about the Jesus family. And, and if the church could gain uh, this revelation that Christianity supersedes culture. Christianity supersedes culture. Uh, there's a lot of issues, unfortunately, between cultures, and cultures are not just colors of skin. Uh, we have a we have a family culture. There's there's a shock family culture. You have an Atlanta West culture. There are all kinds of different cultures. I was uh, working with one man one time, and I was trying to help him, and he looked at me and he said, Pastor Terry, what you have to understand is. And anytime somebody looked at me and says what I needed to understand was, I could tell this was going to be a wonderful conversation. Uh, it, it's in those times that you want to look and just say, oh, Solomon, please speak, please speak. I've been waiting to hear. And so he told me, he said, what you need to understand is, is my grandfather was like that, my father was like that, and so I'm like this. And I said, what you need to understand is, is your grandfather was wrong and your father was wrong and now you're wrong. That's, it's, it doesn't matter that it's a family culture. Christianity supersedes culture. And so the only way that we are going to be able to, to create a Christ culture will be by kingdom principles. And I personally feel that Matthew 5 is a very powerful kingdom disciple chapter. It shares uh, incredible insight. And so let's take it from the top. I'm going to move quickly. Um, and the people that are running these verses and all, I may skip through. So if there's a glitch in something, it's because of what I'm doing, not what they're doing. When you look at Matthew 25, um, verses 1 through 13, it's, Matthew 25 has three messages. There, there are three messages in Matthew 25, I believe, that that the kingdom principles that come out of this can give us great insight. And let's start with verse 1. 
Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five were wise, five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. At midnight a cry went forth, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. The virgins arose, they trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, give us your oil, our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, not so, lest there not be enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. They went to buy, the bridegroom came, the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour where the Son of Man cometh. I personally feel that the first kingdom message of Matthew 25 deals with a kingdom attitude. A kingdom attitude. It's, I believe, that kingdom disciples have a particular attitude about, uh, about the time that we're living in. I believe that effective kingdom disciples will, will be focused on what really matters, and we must understand that there will be a surprise return of the king. There's going to be a surprise return. And so keeping ourselves morally pure is imperative. It's not accidental that we were speaking of, of virgins. And so I believe that living holy is, is very important. However, it even shows us that there was a separation within a separation. They were all virgins, but virginity alone did not make them ready for the bridegroom. There was an issue of oil that was a major factor. And so we must be, our attitude must be in this, in this kingdom business, we must be bridegroom focused, morally clean, and full of oil. We need to arise every day and ask ourselves this question, and, and it's, it's crazy to me that I teach this lesson, I talk about this, and I forget to do this. And it is every day that we awaken, we should think, could this be the day? Is this the day? Could this be the last day? Is this going to be the day that, that the king comes back? We must have an attitude to where we are focused on the surprise return of the king. And not only that, the, a great challenge is to live as strangers and pilgrims on this earth. The reason why many of us are not as fulfilled, we're not walking in the level of authority and dominion that we could is because we're homesteaders instead of strangers or pilgrims. We are not supposed to be comfortable here. We're not. We're, we're not supposed to be comfortable. The, the, old, the old songs come to my mind. One of them, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Unfortunately, some people have made this world their home. Church, I just remind you, it's not all about down here. This is not 
This is not all there is. Now, the reason why oil is so important is because of the importance it has in connection with the bridegroom. When we are speaking of oil, we think about the lamp, and the fact is oil fueled light. The, it was the oil that fueled light. And so there are many things that I personally believe that, that we will never be able to understand in Scripture unless we are staying focused on being full of oil to where the oil of the Spirit can help us with the revelation of the Word. I guarantee you that the kingdoms are in conflict. I mentioned that last night. We have the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And oil is going to make a major difference. It's going to make all the difference in our life. It really is. Oil is a serious, serious issue. And so that's why we don't need to wait for something to be preached on. We need to look in our life, and if it's draining oil, it must go. That, that's, that's how that we need to be, to be really looking at all of this. Is this right? Is it wrong? Is it, if it's draining oil, of course, if it's being preached about and brought out, obviously, then we align our life to whatever is being preached. But we look in our own lives and we decide if it's draining oil, it must go out of my life. When my vehicle is out of windshield wiper fluid, I'll fix it whenever I have time. But if there's an oil issue, I walked out one morning, I was, I was heading to the office, and something got my attention, and I looked under my uh, Yukon, and it wasn't, there wasn't just this much oil. There was this much oil. And something had malfunctioned, and, and it wasn't that big of a deal. But, but I, when I saw that, I did not even crank that vehicle. It stopped me. If it had been windshield wiper fluid, I couldn't have cared less. But it was oil. And, and what, what got my attention at that point was, you have that much respect for an oil leak in your vehicle, and how serious are you, Terry, at dealing with the oil leak in your spirit? When we, when we look at 1 Corinthians 10.21, it speaks of you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. And what happens so many times is, is that people have a habit of eating at the devil's table and drinking at the devil's table all week. And then they feel that a snack pack happy meal with God on Sunday is going to override all of that other during the week. It just doesn't work. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm not trying to be rude. But one thing, whenever I pastored so long, it was so frustrating to see people 
fight in a manner so much about the very same thing. But you just can't eat all that garbage during the week, and you just can't drink all that garbage during the week, and then swing in on a Wednesday night, and thank God you're here. A lot of people are not. I know how that works in churches, but God bless you for being here. And it, But it's kind of like one, one man, I told him, I said, look, what you've got to understand is, is, is when you're beating your head against the wall, it only feels better when you quit. And so there are people that we've just got to understand. Kick the tables over. Kick those tables over. No more eating at, at the, the table of the devil during the week or even on Sunday. No, no more drinking at that. We're going to get serious about oil in our lives. We have to. It's, it's so interesting that it was not a group call. Oh, there was a call that went forth, but it wasn't a group answer. It's individual. It's individual. I have to own the, the oil supply in my own life. Brother Johns, I, I used to say all the time that I wish that God would give me the ability to look on everybody's forehead that I, whenever I was pastoring and see a D to DTE, distance to empty, to where I could just know what I'm dealing with. Because there were times I'd start dealing with somebody and I just thought they were full. And then I, and I'd realize, oh, no, huh, we're not full. We're sucking fumes here. We've got, a, we've got a major issue. It would be oil is a major, major issue issue in kingdom issues. And so when we're looking at being bridegroom focused and morally clean and full of oil, this is a major kingdom principle. It's the attitude about it. This world is not our home. We're just a passing through. This thing could happen any day. It's going to be a surprise return and whether or not we go is going to have to do with are we full of oil? Is the light on? Are we focused? Are we keeping ourselves holy unto the Lord? And there has to be an attitude that we start to live by whenever we're thinking about the kingdom. There is a kingdom attitude. And then the second message that I feel that is in Matthew 25, it speaks of kingdom ability. We have kingdom attitude, and now we look at kingdom ability, and this starts with verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling to a far country. He called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. And this is what is so important to understand, according to his several ability. And then he took his journey. So he that received five went and made five more, and the one that received two, two more. But he that had received one, he went, he digged in the earth, he, he hid the money. The, the owner comes back, and, and so they come and they start giving account of what they've done. And so he sees that the one that had five gained five more. And so it was entering good and faithful servants. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. And then the same thing with two. 
And then he came to the one that, that hid what he had, and of course, he was cast out. Now, there are some things that are very interesting, and here, here is where we see the difference in the way the king runs the kingdom and the way Western society is thinking. Because now, you know, now you get a trophy for breathing. You know, I mean, now if you just happen to show up, then people think that they need a group hug because, and we need to love each other and encourage each other. I've, I got all that, but, but it's really getting ridiculous. And so what, what the Lord did was he gave, now I personally do not believe that he called them separately to where nobody would be offended. That's just my personal opinion about this. I believe that he looked at one and gave him five. He looked at, at one and gave him two. And he looked at one and gave them one. And I do not believe he justified it at all. I just don't believe he said, no, I sure hope you're not upset because I'm just giving you two. And I know you saw that I gave him five and then I'm only giving you, I just, I don't believe that. It was his, therefore he could do with it what he desired. He owned it. He gave them what he knew they had the ability to advance and grow and mature. He set them up to win, win is what is what he did, and then he went about his extended business and did not tell them when he was going to come back. This is exactly what has happened to us, every one of us. Every one of us have been given exactly what we need. Every one of us have. What we've been given is exactly what we need, and we have been left to grow and reach our individual potential in Him, period. It doesn't matter what someone else has been given. We are not a steward over someone else's gifting. We are a steward over our gifting. And so it really doesn't, because what is so great about this is what was seen was five, two, and one. What was unseen was the ability to at least double it. Now, had, had, the, had the Lord of the vineyard, had he tarried longer and he came back, that man with the, with the direction he was going that started with five, he, he could have had 12, 15, 20, 25, whatever it was. And two, had he had four, but he could have had six, eight, ten, or whatever. But one was just one. It wasn't going anywhere when he buried it. And so our attitude about this must be in whatever we've been given, and, and God, what a blessing it would be if we would all um, uh, accept this kingdom principle we must not complain about what we've been given. We must not compare ourselves with anyone else. We must not judge the goodman hard. We must not judge the task impossible. We must take what we've been given and do with it what we can. 
He gave them according to their ability. And so what we must do is we must use what we have been given and not worry about anything else. It's, it's interesting. And here's what we need to really focus on because this doesn't sound good in 2020. Who was harshly used? Who was harshly dealt with? The one with one. You say, well, he should be pitied. Not in the kingdom. The kingdom does not operate by pity. Pity does not move us forward in the kingdom. What moves us forward is faith and action. And belief in the Lord of the vineyard that what he has put in us is exactly what we need. Because the issue was not amount, it was use. The issue was not amount, it was use. I have seen ten talent people squander it and, and literally come down to be a two or a three I've seen one and two talent people grow and be and be 20 talent people. It's not about amount. It's not about what we start with. It, it's not. It's about use. It's about bringing into the kingdom whatever we have been given. But it's a trick of the enemy to convince every one of us that what we have is not worth giving. What we have is not worth giving, you know. I, you know, I can do this, but I can't do that. So, I, you know, I'm a little embarrassed by that. Well, you know, I can teach some, but but he's a better teacher. Or, or I can I can help this, but then you got him. He can do more. Or her. All of that is a devilish trick. It's all a devilish trick to keep people sidelined. Because fulfillment comes in working with the Spirit and allowing the Spirit to work in us. It's kind of like fit for the kingdom, F-I-T. Are we fit for the kingdom? We'll be fit for the kingdom if we accept what Jesus did for us and let him do a work in us, but then it doesn't quit at that point. It's what he wants to do through us. It's not enough to just be happy about the work of the cross. We have got to be walking and flowing in the way of the cross. It's not just about we've been saved. It's saved for what? We haven't just been saved just, just so we can go to heaven. It's not just that. It's about us being effective in the kingdom of God. So in summary... The owner's perspective is no apologies and no excuses. Therefore, our response must be no complaint and no comparison. Using our kingdom ability is a big deal to God. I talked about this a little bit last night, and uh, I don't want to repeat a lot of that, but... The, the goal of the church is, is when there is a night called to speak to volunteers or people involved, the goal is for the whole church to come. I mean like the whole church. Because 
if we are if we are living and breathing and have the spirit of God then we must be engaged in the kingdom we will give an account for what God has has given us and it it will it will be on a day I will give an account you will give an account you will give an account you will give an account we will all give an account and not being actively involved in the kingdom is a very, very dangerous place to be. It, it's dangerous. It's not just some little, well, you know what, uh, I may be able to be involved in the kingdom. Right? No, 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 no. We, we've got to get past that, and we've got to get biblical. And the bottom line is, is there will be a reckoning day, and we will be judged very harshly if we are not using what God gave us for the kingdom. I don't know how plainer to say it. We've got to be involved in the kingdom of God. We've got to be all in in the kingdom of God. Everything that we have been given has been given to us by God. We wouldn't even have breath to breathe if he didn't give it to us, and we got to drag it all in. I'm talking all of our resources, all, everything into the kingdom because there will be a day that we will give an account for what we have done with what God has given us. And so there's a kingdom attitude to this, and there is a kingdom ability. Now let's move to the last message, I feel, of Matthew 25, and it is speaking, in my opinion, about kingdom action. Kingdom action. We start at Matthew 25, 31. And when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations. He's going to separate them one from another as a shepherd divides sheep from goats. He's going to set the sheep on the right, goats on the left. And the king shall say unto them on his right hand, Come, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then he starts laying it out. Why? Why you're a sheep or why you're a goat? I was hungered, you gave me meat. Thirsty, and you gave me drink. Stranger, you took me in. Naked, you gave me clothes. Sick, you visited me. Prison, you came unto me. And then they start saying, Well, when in the world did we do this? And then he starts saying, Well, you did that when you did that to the least. Well, then he he starts dealing with the goats. And and they're like, well, you know, when did we see you? If we'd have seen you, then we would have. But when did we do that? He said, when you did not do it to the least of these, then you did not do it unto me. Now, when I'm talking about the kingdom, I know that in churches... In the last several years, there has been the rise of of a social movement, social action, and some people have called it the social gospel, and it deals with really what I just said, water, food, clothes, uh, all of these things. I will not call it the social gospel because there's only one gospel, and it deals with the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Uh, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I will say that, that God has set us up to win 
and that we literally need to be looking at Matthew 25, and we need to be looking at that kingdom action, and we need to start lining ourselves up with it, and we don't need to wait for Atlanta West to launch a special ministry on Saturday about it. It's, this is not, let's do this if your church organizes it. Let's, let's do this if a particular ministry, no. This is supposed to be our lifestyle. This is just supposed to be what we do. This is just action that we should be taking. There, there is a, a need for, for us to help people, and when we help people, we need to help people in a manner that preserves their dignity. Matthew 6, 1 through 4. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and that thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly." This is not saying do not have a, a capital campaign, um, uh, you know, event for raising money for buildings. This does not say uh, don't take major offerings. And let me say to this church, your she's for Christ offering. My goodness. Wow. I mean, that was the biggest offering in the history. A she's for Christ, wasn't it? The history of the United Pentecostal Church. And, and we thank you. I mean, what, what this church has done for missions in your giving. This is not saying don't do that. What this is saying is, is it, it's saying that when we move in to helping somebody, let our, don't let a trumpet accompany our giving. If, if, God, if, if God moves on you to bless somebody, well, don't go tell people that you did it. We, we need to give in a manner that preserves people's dignity, and we really need to do that because none of us know what our future holds, and none of us know it could be someday that we're the ones that is needing help. Uh, it, can, it can change. I promise you that I was very thankful um, many years ago whenever I was growing up. My father was very sick. He had, he had a kidney disease. He passed away when he was 42 because of complications of that, that kidney disease. And you can believe that, that at that time, he, he was on the dialysis machine. <clears throat> but whenever he was still trying to work because disability had not kicked in yet, and when five men at, at uh, Northside United Pentecostal Church in Fort Smith, Arkansas, when five men stepped up and said, here's what we're going to do for the Shock family. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this much a week, and I'm going to give this much a week, and I'm going to give this much a week, and I'm going to give. And all five of those men stepped up and gave so much a week until disability could kick in. I promise you that I was thankful that, that there were men that, that understood this. 
it, looking back on it, it does not surprise me not one bit that those men did that. You know why? Because usually, even though we didn't have a lot of money, we'd be checking out uh, groceries, and it was very common that there was another little bag that they bagged separately, that my parents bagged separately. <clears throat> and then we didn't just go straight home. We went by some elder's house and dropped it off on our way home or some family that dad had heard needed help. Well, he helped and my mother helped and they helped people for many, many years. And then when we got into a situation when we needed that help, then that help was there. I'm talking about operating under kingdom principles. Kingdom principles work. And what is so great about this is Matthew 25 speaks of providing water, food, clothing, personal visits, and encouragement. Do you know what's so powerful about that? That's what anybody can do. You don't have to be rich to do that. You, anybody can do this. And what is so um, amazing to me about this is, is God says, I am going to allow this to be what separates the sheep from the goats, and anybody can do it. What's so powerful is this. This speaks of felt needs. Felt needs are the gateway to the real need. It's kind of like Brother Jeff Arnold was preaching one time, and he said, that hungry man needs a hamburger before a track. That, that hungry person needs a, a sandwich before a track. You know, a track alone, uh, alone is not enough. It's what? It's meeting felt needs. I promise you, if, if church people... People that are a part of a strong church like this, if we ever truly kick in to meeting, to zeroing in on felt needs, wherever we are going, it might, it might not, you know, there may be people that we're working with that they have food and clothing and all that, but they're going through something emotional that they're sick. They're sick. That doesn't just mean they have the flu or they have pneumonia or they're in the hot they're sick there are people that are sick emotionally there are there are people that their spirit has been crushed they they have infirmity that that they are dealing with that they need somebody to care they just need somebody to care whenever kingdom action kicks in to where we just go about our day realizing that the kingdom of God is within us, so wherever we go, that's where the kingdom is. And that where the kingdom is, there is power. What is the kingdom about? The kingdom is about salvation, deliverance, and healing. And if the church would ever get into a mindset that I am a representative of the kingdom, and so when I go to the store, the kingdom's at the store. Whenever I go fill up with gas, then the kingdom is at that spot. And wherever I go, the, the kingdom goes. And when we start operating as kingdom people, not waiting for a church initiative. 
not waiting, churches can become one big excuse to not be what God has called us to be individually. I'm not waiting for the church to assign something or, you know, thank God you're in an active church. It's creative. There, there are all kinds of ways to get involved. Thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God. But if we're only involved in kingdom work when it's connected to the church, then in one way we are allowing the church to be one big excuse to keep us from being what God intends for us to be in the kingdom. We are kingdom people individually. Therefore, when we walk in somewhere, it's not about being a big deal. It's not about trying to be a big deal. It's not about look at me. It's not about that at all. But whenever we are full of oil and whenever we understand the ability that God put in us, but it's not just to stay on that level, but we've got to put into play what we've been given so it can grow then you got a lot of kingdom people, you know, kind of just going everywhere. And there's power for salvation and deliverance and healing. And it's not just limited to these altars. I'll tell you whenever we're going to see miracles like we've never seen before is when we start understanding that the power of God in the Bible was flowing in a major way away from the synagogues. And yes, great things happened at the temple and great things happened at the synagogues. But you think about all the great miracles that happened in the streets and at people's houses and we, we literally have got to be hungry for kingdom principles being kingdom disciples operating by kingdom principles. And when that starts happening, you're talking about a life change. It changes in a way that we cannot even imagine. I'm saying this. Let's quit complicating the kingdom. Let's quit complicating the kingdom. Let's start just flowing in kingdom power. Let's have the right attitude about this world is not my home. I'm not going to be a, I'm not going to be a homesteader. I'm going to be a pilgrim. I'm going to be a stranger. I'm going to take the ability that I have right now. Right now. Not, well, you know what, if I can take that class, then I can learn, you know, if I can do that, well, when I get that, or now when this happens, or when, no, no, let's get rid of our wins, and it's like, right now, right now, what I have right now in the home with, right now, the car I drive, right now, the clothes I wear, right now, the house that I live in, right now, the family that I'm a part of, right now, right now, right now. Right now, I need nothing else. I'm going to activate what I have right now, the kingdom ability that I have right now, and I'm going to put this into action. And, and, uh, and tonight, uh, a great place to start would be our own homes. It, it'd be, it would be wonderful. You know, the Spirit of God does want to operate in our own homes. And, and we could, that's a great place to start. That is a wonderful place to learn how to meet uh, other people's needs because really what we are, what I really am, I am at home, period. 
I, that's, that's not what you think I am. You don't know me. Even though Brother Johns and I, we're, we're close friends, he doesn't know me. But I promise you Melanie knows me, and I promise you Kendra knows me, and I promise you Braden knows me. And so that's where it starts. But when we start operating in kingdom principles and we just start giving God an opportunity, that's when the kingdom is going to grow. It's not the kingdom cannot be held hostage on church campuses. Church had a birthday. Church will have an exit date. The kingdom is forever. This is about being kingdom people. Church should be a celebration of what the the mighty, incredible things that has been happening all week long out in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in, on our jobs with with God connection with people, and just you don't have to wait to become some great whatever. It's we've got to use what we have right now, right now, right now. What? How much scripture I know right now. You you know, yeah, I keep learning scripture, but there's nothing wrong with getting in a conversation and telling somebody, I don't know, but I'll study that. I probably should know that, but I don't know that. Uh, now. Is this making sense? Now. What what we know now, not, not like now, right now. And I promise you, when we start stepping out and getting in, into some uncomfortable conversations, you, you just try it. Kill your pride enough to take one step out of your comfort zone and just get into a God conversation with somebody trying to help them and you'll be amazed at what the Holy Ghost is going to speak to you at that time and give you what to say. As we stand together right now, if you want to put the kingdom in action more in your life, why don't you walk to the front and let's, let's have a church prayer about this. It's about the kingdom. It's about the kingdom. All God is asking us to do is use what we have right now in our hands. Right now. However, however little it is right now. So many examples in the Word of God about use what you got. Use what you have. Well, it's, it, boy, I mean, what, what are these fishes and loaves among so many? Well, nothing if you're just looking at the fishes and loaves, but a lot if, 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 you, if you follow the fishes and loaves to the hands of Jesus. And so what he's waiting for is us to just start activating what we have right now. Why don't you close your eyes and lift your hands to heaven? And why don't you let the Spirit start talking to you right now about about what kingdom work and what kingdom action that the Spirit is leading you to do now. Right now, God, right now. What we have, 
God, I just pray. I know you're wanting to use some people that are praying right now in this altar in a, in a mighty way. In a mighty way. God, I'm, I'm praying for the unfulfilled people right now. I'm praying that, they, that there will be a witness in their spirit as we're even praying right now that they can be fulfilled. But it's only going to be through you. It's only going to be through you. Fulfillment is not going to be found apart from you and apart from your spirit. Help us to step in to our kingdom role. 